Uh, we're rolling everywhere, guys. You want to welcome us in? Rolling everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So welcome, everybody, <laughs> to our uh, next episode of Arizona Craft Beer Review. We're here with Popeye, affectionately known. Uh, from Phoenix Beer Co. Is that your um, birth name, Popeye? Yeah, that, is that <laughs> that is not my birth name. Uh, uh, Jason uh, is my birth name, but uh, I've had the nickname Popeye since the year 2000. So Why? Stuck around. Uh, got it in college. Um, group of friends. Uh, they had a couple of guys with the same names. Jason just happened to be one of them, and they said, we're going to call you Popeye. I was like, no way that sticks. <laughs> Uh, it's, it has stuck, so. <laughs> I love it. I like, just well, out of the blue, like you didn't eat spinach as a kid no, or have spinach, massive forearms. Have massive no, forearms. Right. Nothing, just. Well, you're in myself. You're in my phone as Popeye. Yeah. That's what you're yeah. in there. So. Yeah. Most most people have me yeah. as Popeye. Nice. Phone, yeah. Nice. Well, it's, it's good to have you, man. And we're very excited to be here at your downtown Phoenix location. Is this technically downtown or what yeah, do they call we're it? Yeah, we're on 30th Street in Washington, so we're just east of downtown. Yeah. Right on the light rail. Yeah, kind of an industrial area around town. Walter Station Brewery is down the way on Washington. Um, but this one has been here. This is where you guys do all the brewing, right? And then you have a, the Scottsdale restaurant location and an airport location, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. Yep. So they do all the brewing here, Johan. We came here a couple of weeks ago and yeah. threw bags. Um, Johan, I would us. like to, yeah, I would like to just champion a cornhole. Let everyone know that Matt and Craig, our uh, editor in chief, uh, both played against me and lost two games. <laughs> and uh, so I just want to make sure that. Well, I mean, I, I think Popeye will admit the the boards kind of slide a little bit uh, more than what anybody else is used to. So, and he told me he's going to work on fixing. Oh, okay. We, do, I mean, you know, we do have a house set here that uh, we all can play on just fine. And <laughs> but we understand when people come in, uh, it might not be the boards yeah. and the well, you know, the uh, industry or the what is it? The regulation bags actually have a slide. Like a, a slippery side and a sticky, sticky side. side. So yeah. depending on what you want to do with your oh, shot, right? okay, yeah. you flip the bag over. Yeah. So that's different right. than my front yard. Yeah, we'll setup, we'll, so. up, we'll upgrade at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So okay, so we got to start with the beer because this is. I think we all have the Oktoberfest. There you of got us. there. Okay, oh, that's do. what I have. Yeah. This you just released it. Uh, it technically releases. Uh, well, it's in the tap room now at the restaurant. It'll release on Saturday. So. so a little bit of a sneak peek here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Uh, so it's a, I made this a tradi traditional Oktoberfest. We mm -hmm. use Oktoberfest lager yeast. Um, we use uh, some nice caramel malt, some German caramel malt to sort of give that sweetness and that color, that sort of copper color. Um, and then we just, we gave it the full amount of time it needed to ferment and, and uh, we just, you know, we took care of it and, and now we're really enjoying drinking it. So it's it's very good. It's yeah. very very good. Thank and you. Uh, you know, when I first tasted it, I kind of was like, "Wow, this is different than some of the other Oktoberfests that we've been drinking the last you know couple weeks." Uh, it definitely has a crispy, very clean feel, uh, which I think you mentioned is a result of giving it the amount of time. So tell us a little bit about like the lagering process and why, why lagers are different from ales. So lager, uh, the lagering process in general is really just time. I mean, it's time and temperature differences to ales. Uh, ales you can get done anywhere between 10 and 14 days and they're going to be done. You're not going to get a whole lot more from them except for some secondary dry hopping or, you know, those sort of uh, uh, techniques. Lagers, on the other hand, are slow and you do it at a colder temperature and you just got to give it the full time. You have to actually 
let it sit in the tank, take up real estate, which is always hard for those of us who don't have a bunch of extra tanks, but uh, it, is, it is an important part of the process and it does basically make it that crisp, clean, easy drinking sort of characteristic, which is uh, which is what everybody loves about lagers. There's sometimes people can't point out that's why they love that yeah. a lager over yeah. an ale sort of thing. But And it's love great. It. I love the color. It just rings fall. You know, it's got mm-hmm. that orange. I'm going to move it a little bit closer in front of Popeye's camera here. And then, um, sorry to block your view there, Popeye, but um, everyone has to see this color for themselves. It's just, I mean, it's like a fall drive in a glass. Really, yep. I love it. I yeah. love it. And it's, um, you know, you know it, it's those it's those caramel malts that we use, and it uh, those malts are what gave it gives it that hue and um, just and that nice little sweetness that sort of comes through, which, like you said, is more like is more like fall, and we're all kind of hoping for it not to be 110 <laughs> outside anymore. And, you know, it's sort of like the first sort of step for all of us uh, native Arizonans of, hey, we're getting out of the heat now because Oktoberfests are, you know, yeah. becoming more prominent sort of thing. Yeah. So. Our, our highs are, you know, in the high 90s instead of the, that's you know, right. high 100s. So, yeah, we're, yeah, that's, yeah. that's fall hot, time for yeah, us. Still, yeah. hot, we can't, get, still hot, but getting better. So, we yeah. can't talk about pool beers for much longer because <laughs> then people won't know what we're talking about. Yeah, Wait, yeah. what's a pool beer? I'm yeah, not yeah. getting in my pool with that. So tell us a little bit about Phoenix Beer Co., um, what you guys have going on here. You guys do a little bit of food here. Uh, you guys have a really cool sort of indoor patio kind of space. Tell us a little bit about this So, uh, yeah, so we started uh, here in this building in 2019. September of 2019 is when we switched over. Um, uh, the building we're in now used to be Phoenix Ale for anybody who's been around. Yeah, Phoenix long enough, Ale Brewery. I got a couple Ale. of those glasses sitting on my so shelf. Right, yeah. yeah, people still I still see the stickers out there and I still see the shirts, which is it was which is great to Camelback see. Camelback Ale or Camelback whatever. Camelback IPA. Yeah. 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 And so in 2019, uh, we actually got new ownership and we actually scrapped everything that was Phoenix Ale. We started brand new with brand new recipes, uh, just brand new everything. And uh, at the time, there were two people who worked here, and it was Eric. Uh, who's our head brewer, Eric Walter, and then me. And uh, as a team, we just sort of grew our footprint of how many beers. And now we make 15 year round beers that are all brand new recipes that are different. And um, through the through COVID and the pandemic and everything, we were able to get our packaging line up and running. And so we started thriving with cans and stores and all those things that sort of happened during COVID when everyone was staying at home, but they were still drinking. Uh, they were just drinking at home. So um, and now we have expanded our cans since then. But not only that, I mean, we just, you know, we've got to expand our our brewing staff. We've added Brian McNair, who's a fantastic brewer that we have. And then our packaging team really does the bulk of the work that we need to do here because we need to get everything in kegs and cans and and, uh, all those guys on the packaging team do a great job. So, um, and we're just, we're looking to keep growing. I mean, we, you know, every single, every single year the report comes out, we're selling a little bit more beer, which is a, which is a good problem to have and you know and we're just we're just happy that people around the valley are liking our beer because it's only available in arizona so we're available in flagstaff and tucson and prescott and sedona it's, but it's like the valley is still really our home and where we're selling the For most sure. of it so, yeah yeah and so you have two other locations 
two other locations the restaurant uh hayden and via de ventura sort of in north okay. scottsdale and yep. then uh terminal three of the airport um we also have handles of some of our beers in terminal four and random restaurants but yeah, i think we, have, we need to do a uh an airport beer review one of these days <laughs> and just go and visit because a lot of breweries are starting ticket, to move though, into, into terminals that's yeah. true yeah, exactly. well maybe we can um pull some strings do maybe you guys remember back when you could get into the gates mm-hmm. like, oh yeah you could go through security and without a ticket wish like a loved back, one goodbye like, yeah. all the way to the end and wild yeah also, also um, pick them up from when they're yeah. like, like <laughs> right right like right there at the gate yeah right at the gate with <laughs> right a sign or some balloons or something yeah, yeah. yeah. those were the days um so you guys you guys have a restaurant at the other one tell me about that um the food kind of i've been to that geared, one the food is like the pizza towards the beer yeah so the food is, is geared towards the beer we do it's uh we do have you know pizzas wings you know all the sort of normal uh normal bar things you would think uh but we use the beer in the actual cooking and stuff so Love our that. wings are marinated in marenzi and you know it's sort of we we try and uh, basically just make sure everything's pairing really nicely yeah. and we try and think of making beers at the same time to match what the food you know what the head chef wants to do with yeah. our food so we it's we, it, it, it is a team it is a team collaboration from it's that it's one aspect. of the better patios too in the valley yeah. the it looks it over um a, like a community lake area and there's oh, grass yeah, yeah. that leads down to it so and it's dog friendly on it's that patio friendly. and you guys have done previous things in the past where you release like a dog friendly kind of like treat or something collab with like a uh forget the name of like a like a little local pet store yeah um, we've, we've done collabs with uh like humane society and adopting dogs and we've done sort of all those things and because we have that dog friendly patio and things along those nature we were making dog treats from our spent grain yes for a little while we've ceased doing that for a little bit but we are like we, we were doing that but um yeah i mean we all of us all, you know, all of us most i'm gonna say 90 percent of us who work here are all born and raised here so it's like we want to help out our community with not only delicious beer, but just help the community yeah. in general. You know, so when it says Phoenix do. on your shirt, you you really are Phoenix. You you put the Phoenix into the brewing company we, for yeah, sure. We, we, yeah. we certainly we certainly try. So that's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's funny. I I think a lot of people like underestimate how well food pairs with beer and like how like the variety and how like how it can be done at a very high level. Um, I. <clears throat> went to a uh, beer versus wine dinner once mm-hmm. where it was a very, very upscale five course meal. Uh, they had a winery there pairing different kinds of wine to each course. And then our friends at Huss were there mm-hmm. pairing their beers to each course. And uh, everybody voted on their favorite pairing mm-hmm. and uh, the beer won. Oh, fantastic! And apparently that happens frequently. And I think <laughs> I think it's because in and I'm I'm pretty uneducated in wine, but like there are so many more to me, so many more varieties and flavor in beer than there are in wine. Sure. Where it like I mean, you, a stout versus a you know a, a, a Kolsch versus a IPA versus uh you know you have this huge array of 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 styles of beer whereas like you know the difference between a cab and a 
Pinot Noir, like they're both red and they have differences, but like it's not so obvious. Yeah. And so their, uh, their differences are a little more subtle compared yeah. to beer where, you know, because of the malts that we use and the different yeast strains and hops right. and you really do have a bigger depth of flavor in beer. Most of the times I'm not going to say anything bad about wine because <laughs> I also drink wine. But sure. Um, but it is, um, you know, it, not only that, the carbonation and stuff in beer actually helps your palate sort of open. And so that food, all those flavors from the food kind yeah. of come in more, which is what wine, one of the deficiencies wine has is they don't have, you know, that carbonation because it's yeah. all still, unless you have a rosé or a champagne. Or, I just remember them pairing the, uh, like a, the steak with a stout. Mm. And that was kind of everybody kind of was surprised by that because usually you uh, maybe you wouldn't think of doing that pairing, but it was just it was really yeah, well it would almost seem too filling uh, yeah. to get through the because uh, steaks are usually pretty massive on your plate and a stout is going to do the same thing yeah. in your belly. Yeah. What would uh, what would this Oktoberfest pair with at the restaurant? Oh, uh, at the restaurant, the Oktoberfest uh, really. Um, any, any of the proteins because that, that sweet, that caramel sweetness sort of will come through. So, uh, you know, any of the burgers, chicken sandwiches, any of sort of those things. Uh, we do have a fantastic chicken salad that's at the restaurant. Yeah. I hope we still have, but, um, but, uh, that would, this would go absolutely great with that. So mm, there you go. This, this style of beer I love because of that sweetness. Yeah. Um, I love cooking my brats. Oh sure, with a little bit of this. Sure, do the um, beer, the beer brat, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it just kind of brings adds that yeah. that sweetness to it. Yeah, so. doing the nice thing where you're like having this and just being able to uh, let let the sausages sort of soak up that beer, and then yep. being able to just sort of flash them on the grill and just sort of burn off that outside and and just make them nice and yep yeah get that Love nice it. char on yeah if you do it's it still right nice, still nice and soft in the middle yeah if you do it right you, you get flavor of the beer and the sausage Correct. some people don't do it right but yeah i mean that's there, there's also a people, skill to that yeah and people do tend to try and go the cheaper route where they'll use uh domestic light beer to do the same thing but actually if you spend a little bit more money on that bigger bolder flavored beer you'd be sh- like surprised and yeah. how much that flavor comes through um it's just i just think it makes it <laughs> just yeah. much more fulfilling when you're, when, <laughs> yeah. when you're having those sausages after doing the process correctly you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean awesome. so yeah so what's your what's your background in with beer and are you a home brewer yeah. so Tell us a little bit yeah, about started, your story started as a home brewer um and then actually uh fell in love with it was making some pretty bad beers to start and then started to figure it out started to figure out the the science and started to figure out all those things and got really good at it and then my wife went and moved chicago and um for her job and i had nothing to do out there and i looked around and saw that there was a brewing school out in chicago and we moved out there and I, i applied signed up went to it and then uh, basically the rest is history, and that was 17 years ago. So I've been basically professionally brewing in some capacity or in alcohol in some capacity for the last 16. I want to know years. more about the bad brews. What what did you <laughs> what did you mess up? What was really bad uh, in Arizona? It's really hard to make lagers if you don't have temperature control and yeah. stuff. Which is as the home brewer, that's really the biggest issue I had was that once we moved to Chicago and I was still home brewing on my stove in Chicago because we live in a very small apartment. Uh, that's when I was like, oh, I can put this lager fermenter right next to the window because it's 12 degrees outside and it'll keep it nice and nice and cold and you yeah. know, sort of thing. Um, 
but yeah, then basically after I got done with school in Chicago, I moved around. I worked at Goose Island in Chicago, worked at uh, a Metropolitan, which only makes lagers. Uh, they're a great brewery in Ravenswood. Um, and, you know, sort of moved around. And then when we, my wife wanted to move back here because both her family and my family both live here. Uh, moved back here, got a job at Four Peaks. I drank at Four Peaks a lot in college because uh, I went to ASU. So did all. Yeah, because I, <laughs> yeah, I went to ASU. You're not alone yeah. in that. And uh, so when I came back, I talked to Four Peaks. I got a job, worked there for uh, five years. And then since then, I've sort of bounced around after that. And uh, now I'm here. And, um, I've loved sort of being here since the inception of the new beers and the new branding and the new everything, sort of being able to watch through hard work of our own, but also organically watching us grow and, yeah. and you know, not only that, but like really learn about the system way more and learn what the system can and can't do on making sure. different beers and, you know, and not only that, but expansion. I mean, we, uh, we got a canning line through all of this that we didn't have before. We used to have a bottling line here. Uh, we now have an 80 barrel fermenter out there, which is twice as big as any fermenter we've ever had before because we need it to be able to produce more beer, you know? And so those are, those are really nice problems for us to have. And it's been really great being here sort of through that whole yeah. process. Yeah, so. I love that. Well, you guys are doing a great job. Um, yeah, the taproom really. just opened and people are already here at noon on a Thursday. I like it. Yeah. I mean, people like coming down here and, uh, maybe you know there is a lot of industry around here. Maybe people are on their lunch break. Uh, yes, yeah. So <laughs> we we do we do get a nice little lunch crowd from people around here. Um, like uh, like Matt said, it's an industrial area, but well, all these nice guys started work at six a.m. this morning, getting whatever they needed done, and by noon they need a beer and a sandwich or <laughs> or a beer and a piece of pizza and go back to work and you know or a beer of, and a beer or a beer and a beer. Yeah. I, I'm not their boss. They can do whatever they want. On <laughs> so, I think we have time for maybe one more, one more. And I, I was thinking maybe we could try something that, uh, you know, dealer's choice. If you oh, wanted to give us choice. a little. So I like, something. I've always liked when you introduced the beyond the peel, uh, blood orange pale, that was a new one, maybe about in the last two years. See, for um, me, it's the barrel aged Marenzi copper. That's <laughs> yeah. That, that was is. great. You guys brought one of those barrel ages out. Was that the one at, um, real wild and woody? It was. Yeah. We brought the barrel aged gold and the barrel aged, uh, yeah. copper, uh, the copper's got uh, tart cherry juice and orange peel in it as well. So it's, um, and all that was done in the barrel. Um, and so then the, the gold has a gin, fresh ginger and uh, lemon peel in it. And all that also happened in the barrel. We got very fresh barrels from Heaven Hill. Um, and when they showed up, they were just ready. And so I just took whatever was in the tank and went to the store and bought the extra things and went, Let's, I have to get stuff in these barrels right now. And yeah. the barrels were real receptive. We had another hot summer uh, with like monsoon, so humid. And so the yeah. barrels were really like taking yeah the beer in and uh, putting it back out and we really just got really quick transition yeah uh which was really nice i like that if you're not if you're not watching on youtube pop i just did a nice demonstration kind of <laughs> showing it so like the barrel slightly expands and yeah. then gives back a little bit well that's the idea like, behind uh, barrel aging yeah. right it's like you want that wood to breathe in Correct. and breathe yeah. out those, and kind those of staves those staves are supposed to expand and when they do they open up all their little pores and then the beer there's more goodness sort behind those pores, yeah. Up, but then those pores, whatever they had in there before, so the, the Heaven Hill and all that stuff, that then mixes with the beer in the staves. And then when it contracts and pushes everything out, it brings that 
bourbon out too and so Love you get it. you know just a nice marriage between the beer and the yeah. and the and the alcohol from the barrels. Awesome. yeah heaven hill distills uh products of what like uh, elijah craig and rittenhouse yeah and- elijah craig rittenhouse uh what else <laughs> there's, there's a i'm trying to remember those are the yeah. two kind of more popular yeah, ones they, they have a heaven hill brand um i haven't been able to find it out here but um one of the larger distillers out there in the southeast yeah but yeah no they um we lucked out they had barrels that they weren't doing anything with and we asked real nice and buddy of mine works for them and he he found them for us and so we we lucked out but that's awesome yeah when i started here i think we had two barrels and now we're up to 14 so it's like that's we are, awesome we're trying to expand that program as much as we can and um because people like their barrel aged beers you know and especially coming into the winter time where people tend to like to drink them a little bit more we can start putting porter in there and some of the darker beers to have sort of a you know a nice just portfolio of different colored barrel aged beers because yeah i think that's one of the things that a lot of breweries do is they just have a barrel and they decide just to put something dark in it's like you don't only have to put right dark stuff in there you can you know when i when my philosophy to the barrel aging is more of that food philosophy where it is sort of a like what flavors can i get to all meld together you know everyone knows what a whiskey ginger tastes like can i make a beer that sort of tastes like that and that was the thought process behind the gold you know i do like manhattans and you know i as much as i drink beer i am a bourbon and whiskey guy as well and so uh you know have a nice manhattan with those cherries and that stuff and it's like can i put that all in one beer without having to add any of that stuff afterwards can i just make something that already tastes like that so um so that's what i've been trying to do with with the barrels and you know hopefully i keep getting to come up with just like good ideas yeah you know? <laughs> how about the, have you had the red rye the barrel aged red rye i have we, not let's try no. that can we try that sure, one yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. let's do so, that while he is pouring good reminder of to all the people watching and listening to uh go on to azcraftbeer.com Get your tickets for the Arizona Craft Beer Awards and Festival coming up Saturday, October 22nd out on the Great Lawn of State Farm Stadium. There's an awesome building on, is it the south side? South side. South side. It's called Heritage at Sportsman's Park. If you buy the VIP, you get access to that whole area. There's great shaded seating there. Um, there's some more, uh, what is there, like some concessions there, but we're going to have food trucks along with dozens and dozens of breweries we we already have as of right now september 15th 11 breweries signed up and um that number doubled this week so we're just expecting probably thinking like 40 40 to 50 breweries breweries around arizona um, coming yeah a couple thousand of your uh favorite beer loving friends (laughs) the great uh, lawn is gonna hold a lot of beer loving friends that's right That's right. So yeah, and Popeye's we're, we're, gonna be there, right? I will be there, yes. Popeye yeah. and Phoenix Beer Co. is gonna be there. We will be uh, signed and you up. guys <laughs> signed up this week just because in that, we're in that doubling of breweries. <laughs> yeah, it's because we're starting out with the inaugural craft beer awards here for Arizona. Yep. Something that kind of was attempted once, but we're gonna bring it back and we're gonna do it right, and we're gonna have judging coming up. Uh, the weekend of the 17th and 18th. I'll probably put this episode out on Monday, by the way. So, so it will um, already have happened. Yeah, it will and already Popeye have happened. Judging. I am one of the judges. Yep. And Love that. you, you've been qualified as a judge for a while, right? In your I, career, I've, I've done other judging competitions when I was in Chicago. I, I judged for the World Beer Cup uh, when it was being judged in Chicago, um, as well as homebrew competitions and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And just f- for everyone so that everyone that doesn't know how judging works everything is judged blind 
Uh, yeah. If a judge thinks they know what kind of like what beer they're trying, they're supposed to recuse themselves from the judging of that beer. So it's a very there's a lot of integrity in judging beer. That's why brewers can theoretically judge their own beer if they don't know it's their yeah. own beer. Um, so we're super excited to have your chops uh, yeah. with, the, with the there, judging. There, yeah, there is a good amount of uh, back-end work that happens from the people who are setting it all up that if they know your brewery has put a beer into a category, you probably won't end up judging that category. So right. you don't have that problem. But because the beers for this judging competition are Arizona only, it's like a lot of us have had a lot of the beers. Right. But doing it blind is always way more difficult than people think it is. For it sure. is. Yeah, we the did thing, a... It has so. to be something super, super, like, super obvious, like super the obvious. Yeah, Sonoran yeah. White mm-hmm. Chocolate, which you guys Which we do make brew. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that one you could probably pick out uh, sure. blind, <laughs> sure. but, like, but like, you know, like maybe... Like or something from Oso. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot that I can you know, tell from, from what we did on our sample, I was tasting and we were drinking, uh, I think they served us, what was it? Like a Coors original yeah, and PBR. PBR. Banquet and, PBR. and I was like, Hmm, maybe this is a uh, Hus orange blossom or something. <laughs> and I'm so way off. I'm like, I, I had no clue, but I mean, I, the, the styles were, were there. They hit all the yeah. marks. So, and that's what they're looking for. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's the most important thing about the judging is more uh, what did they do correct or what did they do incorrect in the beer, not necessarily whether you like it or not. Right. Like you have to go in from just from having that yeah. mentality that that's what we do our uh, Phoenix Magazine Reader's Choice Awards for is did you like it or not? Let people vote. Yeah, for, that. for but sure. This is a professional popularity judge. contest. And this is. Yeah. Right. All right. So tell us about this so beautiful that, thing. Yeah. So that so we made a rye IPA. Um, and we made it red. So we used three different crystal malts in it and then we uh, hopped it at three different times. Um, and then we put it in the barrel because it's not hops are not usually a thing <laughs> you throw into barrels and sort of get any characteristic out. And what we end up finding is that the barrel aging process got rid of all the hops and aroma and then it just sort of became a caramelly sweet. Yeah. Uh, sort of beer but once again the barrel was pretty fresh and the barrel gave us kind of what we needed it gave us a little bit of funk but that funk came with the barrel and actually I think it makes it a little more depth of flavor in that where it's For sweet sure. and it has that sort of funk but it's not like a sour funk it's just sort of a yeah like it really does and funk. it's it's only six percent uh, or 6.3 so it's not a barrel age that's going to knock you on your seat after and you're, you can only do like four ounces you know like most barrel age products on the on the market will will tell you it's 14 percent or or you know right. it, it goes up in abv as you age it or something this is um this is, i liken this to kind of like a dessert beer i yeah. you know i would like what's this. nice is like that funk you're talking about it's just at the very back of the throat mm-hmm. and after like the second or third sip it's gone. The, like it's it's not really there anymore and yep. it's not a bad funk but it's maybe unexpected. Yeah, it's, um, it's a product of uh, barrels because those staves have, you know, those staves have bacteria and stuff in them, and right. you don't really know till you throw it in there. And what you do is you hope to sort of mitigate, <laughs> yeah, how much of that goes into the beer. And sure. it's not always the easiest thing to be able to do. So, but um, again, not that the funk is bad, but like outside of it, or once you get once it's gone, which by for me it's already gone. Mm-hmm. It's just that like really 
kind of caramelly rye yeah. marriage of those two flavors, and it's really good. Yeah, yeah. it's almost like candy bar in a way. With, yeah, with how much caramel is is really coming out, and the the aroma you get the barrel on the aroma, but not so much the the tongue so much. Sure. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. That was good. that was more uh, that was more in the barrel aging process. Is obviously the longer you keep it in there, more of that flavor comes through and the aroma sticks around. But we had took it out of the barrel a little faster than we would have just because that funk started to present itself. Mm-hmm. So it was like, all right, do I just give this more time and hope for the best, or do we just get it out of there and you know whatever? And sort of as a team, we decided like let's just get it out of there. We do like the way it tastes now. Is, is that a daily taste that you guys do that or is <laughs> oh, that a wish? No, yeah. uh, it's not. I mean, you, you can just go insane trying to taste a barrel every single day and uh-huh. make sure, but uh, we you try and do it. Finish at, the barrel off. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> we do try and do it uh, at least once a month, sort of, oh, okay. sort of when I have time. Um, but uh, it is sort of a check to make sure everything's heading in the right direction uh, sort of thing. You know, we had a tequila barrel that we tried to use and it didn't do anything for a while and and so we just went, well, maybe this barrel's just not going to give us anything. But it was used a couple times before we got it. So it's like it's going to lose a little bit of that character. Do barrels typically have like a cap for how many times you can they age do. stuff in them? They do. Yeah. Um, there's only so much stuff in the staves when you get them. And right. so eventually you just kind of get like an oaky beer instead, which is not bad. But right. that once again has to be a style choice. That you yeah. To, you'd want to make sure you just want to aim for that. Beer, sure. Right? Sure. So yeah. when you finish, when, when you've used a barrel a couple times, Mm-hmm. and you can't really age anymore unless mm-hmm. you just want that oakiness. Do you return it to, I mean, do they reuse it for maybe like uh, whiskey again or no, something like that? Or is it typically the, just... Because of the strict barrel aging rules for whiskey and bourbon and stuff, they are only supposed to use there so many times, but they aren't supposed to use it after we use it for sure. Um, uh, we actually, you know, we have good customers who use them as planters they'll they'll take the barrels when we're not using them anymore and they'll take them home cut them in half make planters out of them you've seen sort of those tables sure. that people make out of them and stuff like that like yep we just tell people like those things are expensive if you right. get one that's like- right and we basically for the most part we're like you come get it out of our building because <laughs> you're helping us by getting exactly. it out of the building right. and then it's that thing where it's like buyer buyer's choice it's like this has had whiskey and beer in it it's not clean inside like it's as clean as i can make it but like yeah. You're going to have to do your own cleaning and otherwise, you know, so a lot of people use them for outside stuff. So that's why yeah. people cut them in half. Then they're able to sort of power wash the inside and then put all their plants and, you know, yeah. Plant yeah. I have a friend who what? got one from Oso a year ago and turned it into an outside table and you can get a cover for it. And, you know, they make that kind of stuff now. And he did a really good job of sanding it down and then, um, you know, applying the, the lacquer and stuff, uh, staining it and everything. And, it's a it's a great little card table for outdoors. Yep. Um, yep. Whiskey whiskey barrels are are hot right now. Yep. So <clears throat> I know that there are for like higher production kind of barrel aging people use chips instead of the barrel age because then mm-hmm. you can put it in a big old tank, dump a bunch of chips in there. Yep. What's what are the well, like mesquite and, chips or yeah or they've I, I've heard of them basically using like shredded barrels. Yeah. Oh you, you can sure. Get, yeah, sure. you can get chips that have different flavors. Um, uh, you can get you know, but not only that like specific, different right. you know uh, brands. So uh, when it, you can't get a barrel and you do have the ability to age it in something. So uh, at a brewery I worked at that was smaller didn't have any barrels. Um, I wanted to make a like a bourbon pecan porter for Thanksgiving time. 
So what I did is I took the pecans and half of them I toasted and the other half I actually took a handle of Maker's Mark and just soaked the pecans in the bourbon. And then I threw a couple of oak chips in there as well. And then basically all of that went into the beer. And so I strained the I strained the whiskey out of the pecans. So the pecans actually swelled and soaked up some of that bourbon and then those toasty notes. So when the beer came out, it was like toasty and bourbony and like nutty and, you know, sort of, and it was just in a porter. So it was real, you know, easy drinking porter. I didn't put too much roast in it, too much chocolate in it. And so it just sort of like all the flavors sort of melded. And it did just sort of taste like you were sitting by a campfire at Thanksgiving, you know, with like having like that last like bourbon, but that little bit of smokiness was like you were smoking a cigar sitting outside. Yeah. Fire you uh, you thing. just planted like Inception <laughs> into my brain. I'm going to be thinking about that one all weekend. Yes. Nice shot, Papa. Is that coming back to Phoenix Beer Guy? Is that recipe coming? Uh, I, I want that may, beer. There may or may not be a barrel that has some <laughs> of those things in it right now. I, I cannot... Cannot confirm or deny that we I love will have. That's good because we got we got we, he's 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 Popeye in our phone. So as soon as that text comes through, we know it's time. Right. Yeah, let's go, Tom. Yeah, you guys will run from your office to come. <laughs> so Man, is that, there that a, an advantage or a dis and or a disadvantage to using chips as opposed to the barrels themselves? Uh, advantage disadvantage is really a space thing. I mean, if you don't have enough space in your thing to have barrels in your brewery to have barrels, you can you can definitely get good flavors doing it that way. A more the more traditionalist and traditional way is to try and use the barrel, but no no brewer will ever <laughs> give another brewer any flack for being like, yeah, you have a very small brewery. You don't have room for barrels. I'm happy you could get these flavors out. Yeah. You know, almost sort of going the more homebrew route, but I don't want to call it that. But that's what a lot of homebrewers do who don't have barrels is they want to make a barrel age something. They'll uh, they'll use the chips and stuff. But I mean, the chips are pretty much an industry standard at this point. It's not yeah. as if they're taboo or anything. You got to look for creative ways to do things sometimes, right? Sure, sure. I mean, the I, I think the one disadvantage is the splinters that come out. <laughs> Those are hard to get out sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. Especially when they're especially right when down. They're right yeah. right out there. Those yeah. ones in the throat. Maybe that's why uh, guys who drink whiskey sound, sound like this, you know. <laughs> I love that winter. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. I think that, yeah. It, it, do you have any any fun, exciting things coming up for you guys? Are there, obviously, other than the Arizona Craft Beer sure. Awards. I mean, festival. the Craft Beer Awards, obviously. Uh, no, we just released a, a, a Hefeweizen for us, uh, which is a traditional German-style half. And it's very good. Banana, clove, um, no fruit or anything, just, uh, just a traditional half. And then the Oktoberfest, like I said, we're releasing this week. Uh, we have a, a new IPA that's in the tank that we don't have a name for yet, but we, it's an experimental one. But we think we pretty much hammered that recipe down. So that'll be a, I like it. That's really good at names. So if you wanted us to come in without the recording equipment, try it. Maybe do a little brainstorming. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, Matt would if be you okay listen to the if you listen to the look brewing episode, we gave Marissa a bunch of movie theme names. So <laughs> I can. Uh, he had some brainstorm. Good ones. Yeah, so. movie themed. That was a, that's that was a lot of fun coming yeah. up with that. I'll let you guys think about. It. We try and have everything a little Phoenix, little like nod to Phoenix sort of name. Like love that our, our North Rim Hazy IPA because of the Grand Canyon yep. and uh, Monsoon our uh, Tropical IPA. Uh, both of those beers will be at the at the uh, uh, festival. Yeah, um, Monsoon obviously because of our Monsoon season and you know Arizona Gold because of all the gold mine. Yeah, we try and we're trying to make everything sort of you know as as sort of on brand <laughs> as we can so i like it, it. yeah Dip. cool well awesome. make sure you if you haven't been to phoenix beer co make sure you come check it out uh we, we're at 
30, 30th Street, 30th Street, Washington. It's a Washington. great tap room. I've, I've come here with the wife many times, and you can sit on their indoor. It's like an indoor outdoor patio. It's made to look outdoors, but it's indoors, so you don't have to yeah. like roast yeah. outside. Right. And it's but right it's, in their yeah. in their brewing facility. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, There's it's, picnic it's tables right, yeah, and right between the tap room and the brew and the tanks. Uh, people love sitting out there to actually just stare at the tanks and it's and it's fun and we'll be uh we'll be out there on the canning liner brewing and you'll just see people just staring at us like sitting at a table so excited because they feel like they're a part of are you guys do you guys do you feel like you're in a zoo that way or do you guys uh, interact with the customer we, we interact with the customer right, we like stuff. you know we we like to come over and at least say hi to them and at least you know and then they inevitably have questions like, what are you doing right now? And you just, you know, you're like, I love explain, it. you explain the process and stuff. But yeah, no, we, we it's love an it. experience. It is an experience. And, it, cool. and it's an experience. Unlike a lot of other tap rooms. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You can't get have, up and up so. close and personal. Like you can here at yeah. uh, the Phoenix uh, beer yeah, co Phoenix. tap room. So yeah. And, we, and there's, there's no glass or anything. You're right there. You smell everything. You mm-hmm. hear everything. <laughs> you hear somebody drops if somebody drops something on their foot you you hear it you know <laughs> thing and uh and i i do actually like that aspect of our patio yeah. that 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 all that works so my my one of my favorite smells is brew day smell yeah. all right man well thank you popeye oh, thank really you appreciate guys for coming it down. Um, yeah check out the festival azcraftbeer.com and uh we'll see you in october